Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Psalm, book of Psalms. We've been singing this morning. We're going to continue in singing by reading the book of songs that God gave to the Jewish people, many of them written through David, some as this one written by Solomon, King David's son. They have important messages for us. We, of course, been talking a lot about uh, various things uh, in regard to the church. We broke away from our study in the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to get right back into that now, um, following this. We talked about eldership. We've talked about our purpose. We talked about our mission. Our purpose being to glorify God, um, to bring Him glory. Our mission to build people. Today I want to look at this psalm in connection with our meeting today. I guess the or I want to just kind of frame some of the conversation that we need to have as a as a congregation, as a church. I, I really as I've, I've been working on this message now for months, I I kind of view this message that I want to bring to you today as probably one of the most important that I've brought to you over the time that I've been here as a pastor. As we think about the future, we look together to what the Lord has in store for us as a church and what that means. And I want to just look at this psalm, and we're going to break away from it, but I want to begin with it. Notice again, it was written by Solomon, and he says, unless, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you should rise up early. Now, some of you kids, don't quote that to mom and dad. (laughs) It is in vain that you get up early. It is vain that you go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil, because he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. I want you to notice with me how Solomon writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins this song. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It's just empty. It's, it's just wind. It's same word as he uses over in the book of Ecclesiastes when he talks about vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Unless the Lord does it, 
unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord establish, man's labor is vain. Now, when we think of that, he says, unless the Lord build the house, I don't want you to think about this. Like building a house. I want you to think, on the other hand, this is really poor, this shows how great a artistic mind I have. You say, what in the world is that? That's like, remember the, the old Burger King crowns? <laughs> and, the, and the Happy Meals? And the Happy Meals are not Burger King, that's the Golden Arches. That's crown. Unless the Lord build the house, he's not talking about this, he's talking about this. This is Solomon. He is talking about the house of David. God made a covenant with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God said, From you, I will keep a lineage upon the throne, and I will establish your rule, your house. There was another man who was on the throne of Israel just prior to David. His name was what? Saul. Was his house established? No, it was not. God cut it off. And Solomon is acknowledging something here. Solomon is acknowledging before the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house. Now that's the connection with the rest of the psalm. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. For the house of David to continue, God had to give what? Kids. And it was through the children that the line of David would be established all the way until we trace in the genealogy the birth of Jesus. I think it's important to note this. The Lord has built the house of David. This psalm is a part of teaching us that as Christians, our success is secured. Because the Lord has built the house of Jesus. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 16? I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord guard the city... They labor in vain. They try to stay awake all night, sitting upon the walls to keep it secure. As we think today about some things about the church, I wanted to frame it with this thought. It is the sovereignty of God secured in the line of Jesus that has brought success to Jesus's church all across the world. We're a part of that. 
We have a role to play in it. And what does that look like? And what does that mean? Let's talk about it for a few minutes this morning, but before we do, let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are king. You are king of kings and you are Lord of lords. I thank you, Father, that although many who were in the seed of David were men who failed you, and you even disciplined your people, the people of Judah, Yet, Lord Jesus, you came in fulfillment to the promises that you made to David. And Lord Jesus, you sit upon the throne, ruling and reigning today, and you are building your church. I thank you that we have a part in that. I pray that you would give us wisdom as you consider that part today. And as we talk about these things, not only today, but in the weeks to come, And so we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So today, I want us to talk about Star Valley. I want us to talk a little bit about Emmanuel Bible Church. I want us to think about God's will for us as a church. And I want us to think about having a kingdom mindset. And what does that mean? And so these are some of the places that we are going to go in our study as we talk today. I want us to think a little bit about Star Valley. I love Star Valley. How about you? Amen? Aren't you glad to live here? Aren't you glad to call it home? You know, it's long been the haunt. It was long the haunt of Indians and trappers and adventurers. Of course, it was settled in the late 1800s by Latter-day Saint pilgrims, 45 miles long, 10 to 15 miles wide, ranging in elevation from 5,600 feet down in Alpine, to in the north, about 7,000 feet. Or in the north, in the south. (laughs) I did get it right in my notes. I just didn't translate it from my brain to my... Spectacular summers, brutal winters, famous for recreational pursuits, outdoor activities its rich cultural heritage, its warm, inviting hominess. This valley is truly the star of all valleys. And we'll keep that knowledge here. (laughs) Right? We'll lock the gate. Since my eyes first set upon this place back in 1996 until now, It has been my abiding privilege and my aspiring hope to join with you to make this a richer place to live as well as to see God glorified in this valley by the calling of Him to Himself of a people, the people of God, a part of whom are here at Emmanuel Bible Church. Today I want to do something a little bit different. I want us to look back a little bit. I want us to look forward. But I also want us to look around. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to lift up your eyes. I want you to look under the fields. They are white under harvest. 
today as we discuss, as we study, I want to raise some questions. That's really what I want us to do. I'm going to raise a lot of questions. I'm not going to supply a lot of answers. Those will be for a later date as we together pursue the answers that the Lord has for us as a church. So let's think about some things today. Let's look around a bit. Here's some questions that I've been asking myself over the last year, over the last time in my ministry. One of which is this. How can we as a church reach the full potential of what the Lord desires us to be as a church? We want to glorify Him. We've been talking about that. That's our goal. That's our purpose, is to glorify God. And our mission is to build people. That's what we're all about. We're building people for the glory of God. And how can we as a church really reach the full potential of what God has? I don't know about you. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that God had things, God had blessings that I just missed because I didn't have enough faith. I don't want to be that guy. To the glory of God, I want to reach the potential that God has for me individually. And I think we as a church want to reach that full potential that God has for us as a church. Secondly, you know, how can we encourage growth among the larger body of Christ? Not only in our valley, but also in our region. We're talking about Star Valley today, but think about areas around us, places like Montpelier. Montpelier's down the road, what, 58 miles? And pretty good-sized town. That entire region, the time that I've been here, the 26 years that I've been here as a pastor, I've known of at least three attempts to start Bible-believing churches in Montpelier. I've known guys that have gone there. I've talked with them, I've encouraged them, and there's still not a thriving Bible-believing church in Montpelier. How can we as a church encourage the larger body of Christ in our valley and region? Just think with me for a minute. We're going to talk about some of the demographics of our valley here in a minute, but you know, healthy population, growing population... But if you went from Alpine to Smoot and you considered every Bible-believing church that is preaching the gospel today in Star Valley, we've got, I don't know, Bob counted, we're probably just up over 200 today. Is that right, Bob? He ain't in here. Oh, there he is. What do we have? How many people were in here today? 205. Just to see, I could look out and got a pretty good guess. Just up over 200. If you went to every Bible-believing church from Alpine to Smoot, you wouldn't have a 1,000 people. There's a lot of unchurched people in this valley. Here's another thing that I've been thinking about. How can we continue to penetrate the LDS community with the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
in grace and love, speaking truth. I don't want to get into LDS theology, the distinctions between Bible-believing Christianity and Latter-day Saints today. It's not the purpose of my message today. This is something we want to think about, we want to pray about, we want to continue to work towards. This is a long, steady, continual process that we as Christians need to engage in as we share with our neighbors the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are some questions that I've been wrestling with. So today, I just want to talk to you about us a little bit, and I want us to think about some special considerations as we begin. First of all, we've read in Psalm 127, we talked about the sovereignty of God. Unless the Lord, unless the Lord, we see there the sovereignty of God at work in everything that happens in our life. Unless the Lord do it, we labor in vain. But we also see the responsibility and the agency of people in that psalm. Blessed is the man who... We must seize the day. We completely believe in the sovereignty of God. But we also embrace the responsibility of people. We have a role to play in this. We can bury our talent in the sand. We can sit on our duff and do nothing. We can get complacent. We can get just happy trying to get to Zion. Sovereignty of God plays into this, but also the responsibility of us as people to take God at His word, to seize the day, to seize the moment, and to work for His glory in cooperation with the sovereign plans that God has for us. Let's think about our valley for just a minute. And I want us to think about this place that we call home, Some of these are statistics that I worked up from a study that was done by the Bank of Star Valley. Um, Carl Canning helped me put that together. And some of this is just other stuff that I've put together in my own thinking. Some of this is really interesting if you think about Star Valley. There are a couple things that I want us to note this morning. You know this because you drive on Highway 89. (laughs) Star Valley is growing. Star Valley is changing. And Star Valley poses unique challenges to the ability of young families to get a start here. Housing, jobs, wages. And as I look around, I was just thinking of it as the kids were going out to children's church this morning. God has blessed us, our sovereign Lord, in spite of all those hurdles that young couples face in this valley. God has brought many young families to this place. I love to see the kids. I like to see all you gray hairs. I like to see all you no hairs. But I like to see the kids. I love to see the kids. Unless the Lord built the house, they labor in vain that are building, and children are inherited from the Lord. Blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. Blessed is the church who has a bunch of them running around wiping burgers on the wall. Right? We're blessed that we have kids here. Let's think about this thing that Star Valley is growing. Let's, you know, interestingly, here's just some things about Wyoming and Star Valley in particular. Wyoming, and, and I have to admit, I kind of put a hearty amen to this, even though, just because I'm not a big change agent. Um, 
it's probably not the best economic news, but Wyoming is the seventh slowest growing state in the U.S. But all of our neighbors are the leaders. Utah, Idaho, Montana, and Colorado. But Wyoming is like at the bottom of the list for growth. A lot of reasons for that. Nothing having to do with September to April. <laughs> but Wyoming's population would have grown if younger workers remained in the state. So in the last decade, 72,000 residents of the state of Wyoming died or, excuse me, 72,000 babies were born, and 47,000 died, but Wyoming only added 13,000 people. Now, do the math. Why? Why is Wyoming not growing? Because the millennial generation in the last decade in the state of Wyoming shrunk. Those who are 25 to 40. Wyoming growth in the past decade is at 2.3%. But having said that, Lincoln County is 8% and Star Valley is 10%. So Lincoln County, specifically Star Valley, leads the state in growth along with Teton, Sheridan, Park, and Laramie County. Not Laramie Town, but Laramie County. Wages have increased. Jobs are available. By and large, if you're not working, go and get a job, please. But housing has become a major obstacle, hasn't it? 25 years ago, when we moved here, from Cody, people moved to Star Valley and commuted to Jackson. Today, people are not moving to Star Valley primarily to commute to Jackson. Do you know where they're commuting to Jackson from? People are moving to Rexburg and Idaho Falls for affordable housing to commute to Jackson. So Star Valley is growing at about 10%. Star Valley is changing. Um, just thinking about the different towns in Star Valley, you know, Star Valley is this weird valley, 45 miles long, alpine to smoot, towns interspersed everywhere and things interspersed everywhere, kind of just willy-nilly wherever they sprung up. But Star Valley Ranch is fast becoming the largest town in Star Valley, overtaking, will overtake Afton very quickly. Afton's growth rate is slow, but Star Valley Ranch, on the other hand, has grown from, in about the year 1990, having about 500 residents to over 1,500 today. This has led to significant changes in our valley and in the culture of Star Valley. Alpine, of course, is also heavily growing, and everything between Star Valley Ranch and Alpine is in a growth cycle. 
Not that there's not growth happening in other parts of the valley, but this is where the most astronomical growth is happening. And this has led to significant change in the underlying culture of the valley. When I moved here, my family moved here 25, 26 years ago, the valley was very different. I think about this sometimes. You know, the post office wasn't where it is now. It's where the barbecue place was by Skinner's. And that Skinner's isn't even Skinner's anymore. And the bank was in a trailer. The grocery store was out here, and everything was different. Everything has changed. And so as things have changed, the predominant LDS community with small-town feel, a general consensus of shared community values, these things are now very much in a fluid state. This obviously affects our schools, and it affects every structure and everything in the valley. And so Star Valley is changing. And Star Valley poses unique challenges. Now, there again, I could have put winter at the top of the list, but I didn't. I put housing. Employment jobs, wages, and we'll talk about some of the things I list there in just a second, but if we think about some of the challenges for people in Star Valley, I'm talking probably to many of you who are younger, the millennials who are sticking it out. You senior citizens have your own set of challenges, some of which is maintaining homes in two places, health care, Um, All those different questions that you face, I'm kind of sandwiched in between these two groups now, my kids being gone on their own, raising kids, and um, yet not quite, I'm still driving a four-wheeler and not a golf cart. (laughs) How's that? So compared to the nation as whole, this is an interesting thought. Compared to the nation as a whole, Lincoln County has the lowest percentage of college graduates nationally. Nationally, about 32% of our population has a college degree. Wyoming, it's about 27%. Lincoln County, it's at 23%. Now, I'm not here to talk to you about the benefits or whatever of college education. The reason that is an important statistic is this. When young people go to college to build their career path, this is a fact, my friend, there is an extremely high probability they will not return to Star Valley because of a lack of employment opportunities in their chosen field. That's a fact. That's a challenge. So when we think about jobs, we think about wages, we think about education, we think about housing. I built my house 
for $60 a square foot. Wouldn't you love to be able to do that today? What is it? It's in the 200s, isn't it? What is it? Fours. Man, I'm even behind. You know, if you're a young person, foster an entrepreneurial spirit while you're young. My grandson Thaddeus is raising chickens to sell eggs. Get innovative while you're young. Look for remote options to vocation. If you want to call this place home, And then I also think that we as a church need to be on the cutting edge of helping by thinking about innovative and creative ways we can help expand economic activity in this valley. I think that's a part of our calling as the body of Christ, to seek the good of this city. God mentions that in the book of Jeremiah. So, long term, just thinking about Star Valley, long term, I think we can expect that this valley will continue to be somewhat a retirement community. We can expect that this will continue to be a recreational community. People move here because we love the outdoors, not because we love Walmart, because we love the outdoors. This community will continue to be a place where people who have remote employment opportunities will be able to make a good living. It will be inhabited by people who have generational ties to the community because that will give them an opportunity to find housing. It will be inhabited by people for whom the cost of getting a house is not a big deal. And it will be also inhabited by those whose entrepreneurial spirit allows them to innovatively thrive in a tough economic environment. Those are kind of my ideas as I look at the community, as I think about who's going to be living here. This valley is going to continue to have a huge disparity in its economic viability. And all that affects us as a church. It affects us as we go forward. So let's talk about the church. Let's talk about the church's challenges. I got to look at the clock. I got time. We're in good shape. Challenges in Star Valley. Here's some challenges we have as a church. One, the LDS community. Now, there again, I don't want to get into the LDS um, theology. Obviously, though, the LDS community is a huge community in Star Valley. They have a huge network, great friends, and I love my LDS friends. But we have a very different belief system, right? That being the case, we are seeking to win them to the Lord, to share the gospel with them. We want to do so graciously and lovely. It is, uh, it's a challenge in our valley, though, to the health and the thriving nature of a church. That is why it is so difficult in many parts of this valley to get certain churches up and running. It's a tough place to plant a church. That's why it's tough in Montpelier, right? That's why it's tough. 
Let's just be honest. Secondly, seasonal members. I love you all. You're a seasonal member. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge to us as a church. High turnover. Because it's a hard place to make a living, it's a hard place to get a start, it's a hard place to get a house. Winters are long. People move here and people leave. There's a high turnover. It's a challenge for us as a church. I think that's true everywhere in our country. People are very mobile today in America. People go from job to job and place to place. Uh, I think this highly affects us as a church as well. This is a big challenge for us. This last one, the next one I put down, the geographic spread of our congregation. Some of you are from Star Valley Ranch. Some of you are from Alpine. Some of you are from Smoot. Trying to tie that together in more than one opportunity to get together as a church in a week is really tough. We have small groups. I would highly encourage you to be in small groups where you can thrive in your fellowship with other believers and you can grow, but it's hard to tie together. You know, like, so Matt's going to have a youth outing tonight, and, and some of the kids in, in, that are going to come are coming from pretty far away. And they're going to watch a movie till eight, from 8 till 10.30, and they've got to get home, and then they've got to get up and go to work. Hopefully they go to work, <laughs> right? It's still summer. But the geographic spread of our valley has always made a challenge for us as a church in building cohesion and carrying us forward. It's just a challenge. Let's think about some opportunities that we have as a church. One, Star Valley is a flourishing community. Farson, not so much. Right? Farson, not so much. Farson has a really hard time keeping a pastor at their local church. It's not the place you go to climb the ladder of ministerial success in America. I have on my resume, I pastored in Farson, Wyoming. It's not a flourishing community. It's a tough community. Does someone need to be there and do that work? Yes, they do. We live in a field that is flourishing. It's growing. That affects us. That's a great opportunity that we have as a church. Secondly, Emmanuel Bible Church has a strategic location. God put us on Highway 89 about equidistant from Alpine to Smoot. We are in an extremely strategic location. That gives us tremendous visibility, it gives us tremendous opportunity, and it is a great bonus for us as a church. Amen? Here's another one. Emmanuel Bible Church has a proven track record. The Lord has done good things here. We've been through hard times. We've been through good times. We've stuck it out together. We've sought to seek the Lord, to seek unity, to grow in love for one another, to grow in love for the Lord and for His Word. And the Lord has blessed it. The Lord has blessed you. And so Emmanuel Bible Church has a proven track record. And all those are tremendous opportunities that we could say are a part of the quiver that the Lord has given us and the opportunity that God has presented before us. Let's think about some of our strengths as a church. I'm not going to take a lot of time about weaknesses because 
We don't want to think about our weaknesses anyway, do we? Let's think about strengths. We are a multi-generational church. That is a tremendous strength. I am so thankful that the Lord has brought seasoned saints here, as well as new believers and babies in the nursery and kids crying in a pew, dad dragging Johnny out by the hair, you know, and all the other things that have to happen in a church. I'm glad this is not just a retirement church. My pastor told me when I came here, he said, Tim, you're going to work, going to have to work very hard or you are going to be pastoring a nursing home. That was his words to me. So you know that, people. Because when Amy and I came here, there was one other family in the church who had kids, and that was it. Everybody else came out of Star Valley Ranch. There were eight members, and when the winter months hit, we couldn't even get a quorum for our business meetings because everybody left. And my pastor said, if you don't work really hard, you are going to be pastoring a nursing home. God has been gracious because I'm not pastoring a nursing home. Multi-generational church. We are a multi-denominational church. We got here from every background conceivable. We got people from many economic levels. We are a multi-economic strata church. That's a tremendous blessing. The Lord has blessed us financially as a church because of your faithfulness. We're not a multi-gender church. Or a bi-gender church, right? I'm sorry, I am stuck in a binary world, okay? There are men and there are women here. There are boys and there are girls. Now, that's important and that's good. You go to some churches in America or you go to some churches in Wyoming and all you'll see is a guy in the pulpit and 25 women and a few kids, Praise God, that's not what we have. We have a church full of men and women. That is a tremendous strength. I praise the Lord for that. Those are some of the things that God has put before us that are strength. Now, I just want to lay before you some things to think about, and then I'll shut up and give it over to Dave. And we'll have our business meeting. We're pretty full today, but we're not astronomically full. We've kind of got over the hump. What happens is all you people come back and you fill us to the seams and everybody that was here all winter just leaves. (laughs) And then this happens, right? We have a kind of emptier church. And then we start drifting back in before school starts. But we've been full. And some of you come in and you're like, I can't even find a parking place, let alone somewhere to sit. And I go in the bathroom and I have to stand in line. (laughs) So how do we deal with growth? How do we deal with that? Star Valley is a growing community. We kind of know that. It's a changing community. So what are we going to do? I'm going to just lay out some options and I'm asking some questions. And I'm not giving you any advice today, primarily. That is for the Holy Spirit to direct us over the next year. 
I want to raise some questions. One, we could go to two services in the summer. We could deal with that. I'll come back to these and we'll discuss them in greater detail, but we could go to two services. That would take the crunch off our summer fullness. We can just kind of muddle along and manage. We've done that. This is not the first time in the last 15 years that the church has been full. Okay, not the first time. We were real full. We had 2008 turned down, ups and downs, but we're pretty full again. We can muddle along and manage. We can expect other churches to come along in the valley. We can build. We could expand our facility. We could plant another church, intentionally starting another church. Or we could do some combination of the above in some strategic plan to get where God wants us to be. We could have two services. We could muddle along and manage and just sit people in the foyer and wherever when we're full. We could build to expand our facility. We could plant another church here in the community somewhere. Or we could do some combination of the above. Now, when you look at that list, there's pros and cons to everything. Every positive has a negative. So there's going to be options here and there's drawbacks. And I want to just consider these so that you are thinking about these things as we converse about them over the next year. Let's think about just some of the drawbacks to having two services. How many of you have been in a church that had two services? Yeah, I have two. One of the drawbacks is a divided congregation. That is a significant drawback. There's ways to try to mitigate that. We already kind of have two congregations because we have a summer congregation and a winter congregation. Two services definitely exacerbates that because you're not in the same building at the same time. It also puts an additional drain on those who are leading. Not only does the pastor have to preach twice, which really isn't a big deal to me because I do an adult Sunday school class, so you know, I just skip the adult Sunday school class and preach twice. That's not the big deal. But everything has to be duplicated, from nursery to sound to PowerPoint to musicians, everything, to ushers, to greeters. So there is an additional drain on those who lead. That's something to think about in the size congregation that we are and our available workers because our available workers heavily affect our ability to pull that off. So that's just something to think about. Here's some drawbacks to adding on. Number one, I had somebody tell me don't have a 12-month solution to a three-month problem. You build a building and it's a 12-month solution. That building is there all the time when we currently have three months of heavy, heavy fullness. What did we average this winter? Or probably about 150 to 180. So, you know, we're bouncing around in here a little bit, but we take down a couple of rows at the back, and, you know, we're still feeling pretty full, but we're not bursting. So don't have a 12-month solution to a three-month problem. 
church buildings are not very efficient. In other words, this part of this building gets used how many times in a given week? And how many weeks are there in a year? So how long are people in this building comparatively to time? And so they're not very efficient. Okay? Um, other auditoriums that are out there in our community um, have multi-use, a church not so much. So when you build the building, yes, they may come, but they only come when you hold services. And so church buildings are not efficient. And growing a sanctuary also means growing all the corresponding areas in which people congregate. We can't have more people in here and not have a bigger foyer. We can't have more people in here and not have bigger bathrooms. Um, We can't have more people coming and not have better parking. So all those things have to grow at the same time. You can't just grow one and not the others. So those are drawbacks to adding on. They're just things you got to think about, right? Drawbacks to just managing the 80% rule. When you're 80% full, then what happens? People say, well, people don't need me there, so I'm not going to go. So that's why you fill, like we have early in the summer, and then people say, well, that church is full, and it's annoying to find a seat, so I'm not going to go this week. And that's why you come back to about 80% capacity. They call it the 80% rule. And so the question is, if we just try to manage, with whom do we lose an opportunity to share Christ because we're bursting at the seams. I think it's an important question to think about that we need to draw into our thinking. Here's some drawbacks on planting another church. Um, The breakup, albeit a happy one, of a family. So you plant another church, you're intentionally telling people, you need to go there on Sunday, we're not going to see you any longer, and uh, we'll just see you when we do things together. But there is a breakup of a church family. Uh, There's also the duplication of expense and having additional facility and staff. And there are people drifting between two bodies until the new has a distinct identity. So when someone plants a new church in a community, those are some of the things you have to think through. And, you know, you can do campus churches, but is that really the New Testament model? And all those things um, that someone that we need to wrestle through. Those are the drawbacks to planting another church. I'm just about through. Here's the basic realizations that I come to as I think about these things. And and I just don't see any way completely to get around these things. You may have some answers that I don't have, but these are some realizations. One, EBC will always be two groups of people struggling to figure out how to function as one. Because it's a retirement community, people come and go, we're always going to struggle with this. We have always struggled with it. We try to do things, we've tried to done events, we try to incorporate our summer people into the winter church, but it's tough. If I was to pin you down, how many of you knew each other's names in this place? Most of you only know the names of the people that you are either in a small group with or you hang out with during the week. Most of us don't know each other. 
you look across the church, they think you've been here for 10 years and you've been here for three months. And you look across and you think they've been here for 10 months. Okay? This is a struggle. We have to intentionally figure out some ways to work on this. EBC will always have a high rate of turnover among its congregants. People are going to come and go. Some people love the winter here, some people don't. And if you don't love the winter here, you won't stay. If a realtor sold you land in June, and you thought June was March, we might get two years out of you. Here's another one. EBC will always, I believe by the grace of God, have a steady core of committed Christ followers who call this place home. There will be that core. So that core is trying to work around the first two, figuring it out. And we're asking questions today. That's the basic realization. So what do I want from you? What's next? Number one, pray. Pray. We need to together pray as a congregation and as individuals and as families about God's future for God's work in Star Valley and in our region. We begin with prayer. Number two, conversation. When you're a small group, talk about these things. When you're at Bible studies and prayer times, talk about these things. Bring it up to me. Bring it up to Matt. Bring it up to the elders. We need to converse. We need to grow the information pool so that we can make the most informed decision that we possibly can about how God would take us forward. Converse. Plan. Execute. Not the kids. We won't execute that. I'm just joking. We're going to close. I was thinking about this this week. 26 years ago, on this Sunday, I candidated at this church. Met down the road in a small chapel. Totally different group of people. 26 years ago today, on Monday, I got a call from Earl Kinslow, and the church extended to me the call to come to fill the pulpit. A month later, Amy and I picked up everything, and we got down here. You're going to look at a church budget. 26 years ago, the church budget was under $12,000 a year. Under 12000 a year. The Lord is blessed in every way that I can think of beyond anything that I could have asked or think. Several years later, God brought Matt and Trish. Matt's been a part of the team ever since. We've worked together. God is blessed. God has been good. And God has been faithful. I could stand here and tell you ad nauseum stories of 
conversions. I remember a couple coming in here, and I went to see them. The day after they visited, I went to see them in their place of business. And the wife said to me, my husband has some questions. And I just took him through the plan of salvation. We got to that end of that conversation in their place of business, and I just looked at him and said, have you ever done that? Have you ever accepted Jesus? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, I really would. And I about fell out of the seat. <laughs> we could talk, tell stories about arsonists who tried to burn us down. Remember that one? I mean, God has done great things. But I don't want to be looking back. I want to be looking forward. What does God have down the road? I do not want to be a has-been. I want to be what can be. Let's close in a word of prayer. Let's talk about these things over the year to come. We're going to pray. Dave's going to come. we got some business to transact. If you need to leave, obviously we understand. I guess, Matt, you're going to lead us in a closing song. But let's bring it to a close today. Father, I just want to thank you for that which you have done. Lord, we began by thinking of that psalm, unless the Lord builds the house. Lord, you have built this house in Jesus in every way. We thank you for that. We know you have things to come. Lord, we pray that you would protect us from the evil one. He would would scheme against us to destroy what you have done. We pray that you would bind him from our lives, our families, and this church. That you would protect us that you would keep us in your will. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing together.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this building, for providing for us, for uniting us as a group of people. Lord, every church has difficulties. We're all sinners, yet saved by your grace, but yet, Lord, we still deal with the struggle of uniting together as one body. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for how you've been faithful to us over the years and have encouraged us and have walked with us, have grown us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we look towards the future, Lord, that you continue to use this place, that it may be a lighthouse for you, that people would come to hear the gospel, to receive the gospel, and that your kingdom would expand within the earth. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that it is to invest in this church, Lord, both financially and, and yet, Lord, to use our gifts and our talents. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help those who, who maybe are trying to feel their way around, Lord, that they would know that they are loved and cared for, that they would, they would come and join us, Lord, be part of this fellowship. Lord, as we discuss the business of this church, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us, help us to be wise with the funds that you give us, help us to to continue to stick to the mission and the goal of what we're about. That we may honor you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have to leave, would you quietly do so? Otherwise, please have a seat. And we've got a risky